What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 10 of the GVG cast. I'm your host for this Ooh. episode in Ashes Absentia, Steve Bowling. I'm joined, as always, by my good friends here at GVG, Brandon Miracle, the one and only, and our art director, Daniel Evernight Studios Alba, the man, the myth, the legend, the most chiseled jawline in all of gaming. <laughs> Gentlemen, <laughs> how are you this fine Friday evening? Fantastic right now. Doing good, yeah. I, this is the most awake I've been in a while. Um. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that, but I, I feel you. I've I've been very tired. Um, I'll get I'll get to why in just a moment. But uh, yeah, it's been a week. I'm glad we all made it here. Uh, but I do feel good today. I'm feeling good. Like it's it's a good day. We've had a lot of yeah. good news this week that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, we have. Yeah, yeah, there's exciting stuff. If you didn't notice, I'm dressed for the occasion, which is completely by coincidence. This is just the shirt I had on yesterday. But uh, <laughs> before before I get too far into my terrible, terrible hygiene habits, uh, this episode is sponsored by none other than the Game Orb. And if you haven't heard it before on like 100 episodes of TNT and on all 10 episodes of GVG Cast, uh, the Game Orb is a YouTube channel that brings commentary and gameplay footage from Nintendo Switch and Xbox Series X gaming systems. With games like Splatoon 2, Sonic Colors Ultimate, and Super Mario 64 on the channel, along with others, the Game Orb will also now be adding Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu to his gaming collection. So be sure to subscribe to the Game Orb at the link in the description below. Uh, make sure to support their friend Galactic Reaper's channel as well. You can find both of those already down in the description. Uh, thank you so much, the Game Orb, for your continued sponsorship of, of uh, TNT before it and the GVG cast now. We love you so much. And uh, we're, we're thrilled to uh, shout you out each and every Friday here on the GVG cast. But with, with that out of the way, gentlemen, uh, let's go ahead and just go around and start with what we've been playing this weekend. I know we've all been working on some exciting stuff, which we'll talk about in a bit. But what have uh, y'all been playing? So I've, I've been playing a lot of things. I have been playing Dragon Quest X. I... Uh have done some magicery to make that game English. Nice. <laughs> um, so I've been enjoying that. Uh, I've been playing also Dragon Quest Seven, which I've been enjoying a little less. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, heard. And uh, I have a video that I've been thinking about making, and I just started playing one of the games that that was tied to, being Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tank... Or not Tenkaichi, but Budokai 3 interesting i why are you back on tenkaichi are you doing mods or oh it's, it's just budokai 3 i've never actually played this game oh interesting i uh i, I think it's a good game i i'm trying to remember budokai 3 that's the atari one isn't it yeah atari made the budokai series i've only played budokai 1 and it was the gamecube version the superior version <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I actually really like the Budokai series. I've I've played all of them. I think they are dramatically inferior to the Tenkaichi series. Uh, I loved Budokai Tenkaichi 3 on the Wii. I even did the That's whole a... like motion control Kamehameha like where you oh, have to push the Wii I remote. Love that game. <laughs> yeah. That is that is awesome. Um I'll I'll have to come back to that because I love Dragon Ball a ton and we got a new chapter this week too, which was a terrible chapter. I'm sorry, Brandon Bovia. It wasn't great. Uh, but Daniel, how about you? What <laughs> have you been playing? Um, this week, I actually finished playing uh, at least one of the stories of uh, Scarlet Nexus. That was a game I wanted to get Ooh. into last year. But there was so much happening around that time that I didn't really get into that until this year. 
And um, yeah, there, there's two different stories. You you follow either one main character or the other, and I finish one of the stories. I think I might, if I go back to it, I might be just later down the line because I'm kind of just putting that on a hold now. But but yeah, that was a fun time. Um, very interesting game, uh, unique story. There there was I I didn't expect that there was time travel in this story, but there is. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, that and. Um, also, I've been on my D. I've opened up my old DS Lite, and I've been playing uh, Fire Emblem: A uh, New Mystery of the Emblem, a very well done fan translation of that that I've been just kind of getting into for the first time, and and just yeah, it, it's it's good. It's it's a lot more interesting than the actual Shadow Dragon that came out on the DS. Uh, I find that that one's the, probably the most vanilla <laughs> Fire Emblem as it is as, as it's expected to be because it was like the first one that kind of reused. Or it was the foundation of what Fire Emblem became, but then um, just playing this one here, it's I find myself a lot more invested in this one than the other one, which is unfortunate because because of how the performance of Shadow Dragon was, we didn't get the sequel, which is a much better game. <laughs> That's I mean, one obviously it's super off-brand for you to be playing Fire Emblem. You're just not a Fire Emblem guy. That's not at all the entire thing I'm that just, you're known for. I'm just experimenting now. And just... <laughs> Dipping myself into to new territories here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just broadening your horizons this week. Um, but that is interesting. Like, I find it, you know, I'm not doing anything nearly as cool as, as translating games into English or <laughs> playing stuff that didn't come out here. I am playing a game that very much came out here. Uh, and, and Brandon, we haven't even really gotten to talk about this, but Ash and Derek are dead. And by dead, I mean at PAX and at a wedding. But uh, for the purpose of this conversation, they're gone. Uh, so it's time to talk a little bit about Elden Ring, which we haven't done on the channel really at all, other than me like no. poo-pooing it when it first came out. I was like, I died a lot. And to be fair, spoiler alert, I continued to die a lot. But now, now I'm at like the end of the game. And I'm, I think I have like two bosses left before I roll credits on Elden Ring. And I'm like 48 hours in. So I liked it a little, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you just kind of liked Elden Ring. <laughs> just just kind of. Uh, I famously, so within our internal like staff discord, I've been talking about how I've been banging my head against uh, Moog? Moog? Or is it Mog? I don't actually know. It's M-O-H-G. It's oh, right, right. I mean, I use his nickname. He's just Mog to me. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> But I banged my head against that guy for probably a solid week and a half, and I refused to do anything until I killed him. And I got down to, like, it was uh, my friend Nick and I were playing it, and this is how I knew I liked the game, because, one, I, I attempted the same boss probably, no joke, about 200 different times, and two... Wow. When I killed him, I threw my controller in a fit of joy. I, I was when I, I we were down to like one and one, and I know this happens so often to people that play this game, but it was like if he had hit me before I hit him, I would have died. I had just one hit left, no no uh, crimson tears, and I just decided to make a mad dash for him and jump through the air and cut him, and he died. And I went yeah, and I threw my controller, and I was like that was eighty dollars. I need to catch it. <laughs> Fortunately, it landed on my couch, but it could have been the most expensive piece of DLC I ever played. Um, but I have to say, the game uh, really, really got its hooks in me, and I didn't expect it to. I played it for like a solid five hours, and I hated it. And 
I decided that it would be really fun in co-op, and so I started playing it that way. And that changes the entire game, in my opinion. It goes yeah. from a serviceable game to an excellent game when you play it with a friend. And you can commiserate over how annoying some of the things in the game are. <laughs> yeah, I, I played through this game mostly with my friend Levi. Uh, whether it be us going through the game at exactly the same pace, or one of us gets ahead and then the other one catches up alongside the other uh but yeah I, I think it's a way more enjoyable experience with another person um this is the reason i like monster hunter just gonna throw that in there <laughs> i so i play monster hunter each and every month with one of our with one of our uh patrons straight lace who is a former sponsor of the show uh and i have a great time with that too monster hunter is actually a lot of fun when you play it with people who know what they're doing um it scratches I think... the same itch for me I think the similarity there for me is that they're both games that don't explain themselves very well. They sure don't. And you need uh, someone Monster Hunter who is... hasn't been explaining itself for nearly 20 years now. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's all in the name. There's monsters. You hunt them. It's fine. <laughs> I'd like to know more, Capcom. They're like, we put Amaterasu in Russian there, if you're interested. Elden uh, Ring has a tutorial that I didn't find out about until wait, what? hours into the it game. It has a tutorial? Yes, there's a tutorial in Elden Ring. What does in it say? Area, it's it's a combat tutorial. You when you're first like leaving that grave and you know entering Limgrave for the first time, there is a dude standing next to a hole, and if you go in the hole, it initiates a tutorial. Oh, I did that. I it's a useless okay. tutorial. <laughs> well, I didn't even see that. They were like, yeah, someone said jump, and I was like, fuck it, and I jumped. And I landed in the tutorial, and I was like, oh, I can hold my sword with two hands. That's kind of neat. You know what they don't... You know what they need, though? They need to remind you of all the weird button combinations you have to do. Like, I forgot how to summon Torrent, like, three or four hours in. Oh, no. I didn't remember for, like, another 20 hours. I was like, I have a horse. Don't know where he is. You didn't He's... look it up. You just said, well, no Torrent for me. <laughs> well, in multiplayer, again, another complaint that I have about Elden Ring, you can't oh, use your horse. <laughs> They're like... You're going to run 8,000 meters. For some reason, the internet can't handle two people being on a horse. They're like, no. The limit in Elden Ring is one horse in the entire world. Unless it's an enemy that is part horse. <laughs> They're like, in that case, lots of them. All at once and killing you. That's that's our policy on horses. Um, all right. I could go on about Elden Ring for the entirety of the show. It's a really good game. Try it. Um, maybe put like a rubber bumper on your controller when you try it though. Maybe play a wrist with another strap. person. Play with another person. Yeah. If you play it by yourself, you in invariably end up in an echo chamber of frustration. But... And if you like Elden Ring, when you play it with another person, go play Monster Hunter. Otherwise they'll be mad. <laughs> Specifically with Brandon. He needs someone to play with him. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get too far into the show, let's go ahead and, and get to super chats. We have a couple of them real quick. Uh, Wreck BCQ with a $10 super chat says, I always try to find the light in things. Today, this show is that. I've been doing badly since I've been stuck at home with COVID. The light is that I can be here live for the first time in three to four weeks. Well, wow. Uh, first off, get well soon. Uh, yeah. I, I have yeah. it on good authority that having COVID sucks. And by good authority, I mean like literally all my friends have had it. And I'm still somehow dodging it like I'm in the Matrix or something. I... I don't get how someone as out of shape as me has not gotten it yet, but um, 
you know, I'm glad you're here with us. I'm glad you're at least well enough to watch the show and hang out with us. And uh, yeah, please get well soon. Play a lot of games, drink a lot of water, you know, stay hydrated, stay healthy and get better because uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's no joke. So hopefully, hopefully you're doing okay, Rec. Thank you so much for the super chat. Um, following that up, uh, Jaden Buck lightening the tone with his $10 super chat says a uh, crazy question Fridays, crazy question number 35. We're 17 away from this going on for one year. Uh, says we all know it's important to say please and thank you. But if you were to only say one or the other, which one do you think is more polite? And I'm going to go ahead and say thank you because I think showing I, gratitude is nicer than asking nicely. I, I think to double down on that, if you say thank you, I think the please is implied. Yeah. Like you clearly were hopeful that this other person would do whatever it is that they did. And if you're saying thank you, I, I feel like the please is just part of that equation. But thank you is not. Yeah. You can you can plead for somebody to do something and then not show gratitude. And then you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can say pl- I would I would say please because I can say thank you with much more sarcasm than I can say please. So I would oh, say really. <laughs> oh no way! We gotta we gotta try this out on everyone real quick. I want <laughs> your most sarcastic please. I'm gonna I'm well, gonna start... more sar- Oh, go ahead. I'm gonna start with Brandon because I feel like he's cooking one up right now. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea what to say. <laughs> uh, will you? Uh, let's see. I can be an asshole about it. Let's do it. Go, you give please me, give make me... me a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll give you more sarcastic with thank you than please. Please is a little bit more genuine for me. Because you, you, you so even now, Brandon, I, I can tell you really want that sandwich, and I, I can, I'm more, I'm more at liberty to make one for you now. Wow, that's all it takes. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Dang, Daniel's just too nice. I, I needed an example. All right, all right. You know what, Daniel? Give me, you, give me your most sarcastic thank you. We've got a sarcastic please. I want your most sarcastic thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, thank you for... (laughs) Gee, Steve, thank you for forcing me onto the show today. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Even then, I feel bad. (laughs) I feel feel like I might... I I could work either. I'm going to give the audience an example of each. All right. Yeah, give us one. Will you please get that art done? Daniel. (laughs) Oh, Brandon, thank, thank you for editing that video. It was great. Thank you for actually giving me something to make, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Woo, I want the damn. audience to vote. If you're in the chat right now, let me know which one was worse. I want, by the end of the show, we'll figure out which one is, is the one we should stick with. Not that we're going to stop saying either, but I'm really curious what you all feel about that. All right. Uh, finally, we have Rec BCQ with another $5. Thank you so much, man, especially considering your condition. Uh, n- that sounded way more terminal, but you know what I mean. I'm glad you're feeling okay enough to super chat again. Uh, says, Daniel always gets complimented when he's introduced. I'll balance it out. Brandon and Steve are handsome devils. Well, agreed, obviously. But yeah. also, uh, thank you. I actually look like a sack of wet mashed potatoes on a good day. So I appreciate you uh, <laughs> throw, throwing a little light my way. I appreciate it. I didn't I brush my hair. I didn't pick my beard. This is just me today. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking about as pink as my shirt. But I don't, that's not the camera. It's just my face. Um, I'm still a sexy beast. I appreciate the, I appreciate Steve and Brandon in their, in their purest forms when they appear on show. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. In our purest forms, unshowered, very gamerly. Um, 
<laughs> right. I was trying to say it nicely <laughs> without I'm... being sarcastic. <laughs> Break VCQ. Okay, that gave me a good laugh. Well, thank you. I'm glad you were able able to get a get a laugh at my expense. I'm so hurt. <laughs> um, all right, folks. So we don't have a ton of news to talk about, and I'm going to make this a little more light. But I want to talk about uh, the the topic in the thumbnail, which is just like a mishmash of characters because we had a lot of release dates. Like everyone was just like, Hey, have a release date. Your summer is screwed. We want to make sure that you start pre-ordering stuff. So we got release dates for those of you that aren't in the know about the games in the thumbnail. Go look at the thumbnail. Sonic origins, which is why we have that cool little animation Sonic. Um, we, we got uh Xenoblade Chronicles three, which got moved up to July, which I wasn't ready for. Like my mind and my wallet weren't ready, but, uh, Take my money, Nintendo. You're definitely getting it. Um, and we got a release date for a third game that I can't remember off the top of my head. I made the Splatoon. damn thumbnail. Splatoon. Thank you. Splatoon 3, 3, which I was hyped about. Which, by the way, I love that they took the Dreamcast's American launch date. 9-9. Nine, nine. I love them for that. I know they didn't think about it, but I did. <laughs> um, so I, I want to start with Splatoon because I think it was the most underwhelming somehow. Uh, yeah, I it was, I was not, uh, happy with how they showed this off. Um, I know that I'm going to buy it and I know that I'm going to love it. I've loved Splatoon one and two. Um, but it felt like just an update to Splatoon two. Cause all they showed was turf war. Yeah. We got to look at the new weapons and you know, some of the new specials, but when you break it down, that's, that's Splatoon. <laughs> Yeah, without further context, if you were to show someone this trailer, uh, or it wasn't even a trailer, they're just showing a replay throughout the entire three and a half minutes, and, like, you could just assume it's an expansion to Splatoon 2 or even Splatoon 1 because it, it just shows new weapons and such. Like, if you're in the know, like, if, if you want to know and find out or, or go beyond and, like, watch a video or, or analyze it yourself, then you would find out, like, oh, this weapon attacks in, in two different uh, stages or this... Uh, when when you jump out of your swimming form, you actually have more mobility than you would in other games. But um, like I was watching this, and I'm just like, "Where's the Squid Labs? Where, where's the guy telling me in in detail why I should be excited for this new weapon, what it does, and all this other stuff?" It was we haven't seen much of a news dump since the initial trailer, where that showed more story and lore. Because um, the last time we heard about it was in the Nintendo Direct, which just again just showed. Um, Salmon Run, which could have also looked like its own expansion from the from Splatoon 2. I, I think there's a big element... <clears throat> excuse me. I think there's a big piece of the puzzle missing here. <clears throat> like, uh, whatever the main hook of Splatoon 3 is, no pun intended, we haven't seen it yet. And if yep. there isn't a big main hook, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, there's some excuse interesting me. stuff, but they make the they make the viewer kind of dig for it. Like you said, Daniel, there's stuff on display in that trade or well, in that match, in that match footage that they gave us. But the footage is just yeah, it's it's if you're not a Splatoon fan already, you have no clue what the hell is different between two and three. Uh they have that zip line mechanic where you can like whip, and I think some folks called out that it's a special, which I think it would be much better if that was just a regular move everyone could do. You know, maybe with a cooldown or something, but I mean, they they covered some amazing amounts of ground with that move. So I hope that that's a that that's a regular thing. Um, the splash pads that you would start 
challenge or that you would start turf war matches on are gone now and you just kind of pick a spot to land from those like i don't know man i've always called them like floating air conditioner looking things like i don't know what those are that they fly in on washing machines yeah oh are they okay yeah but yeah i i felt that that was not the right way to do it they should have had nogami come out and just do like another squid research lab presentation uh to show kind of like here's what's actually different and maybe they're just not ready to do that but with the game releasing in in five months you would think they'd have they'd be able to give us the overall picture of how this what what the value proposition is here because uh splatoon like animal crossing is one of those games where there are some super obvious things you could do to make the experience better i think most of it for me is going to be in how the online's handled yes i want to play turf war with my friends and be on the same team and not have to wait for splatfest to do that i want to play ranked modes in a non-ranked setting uh just a lot of stuff like that um let me pull from a bigger pool of maps like i don't like this kind of live every two hours things change it's really not that great because then you know every time every time i would get on i'd either be playing the same two maps i'm always playing or it would uh it would start feeling a little dull Um, yeah and i I would be more than willing to buy another game if all of that stuff was fixed yeah, they, they also need to not uh, lock Salmon Run behind time frames. Like, it used to... I, I don't know if they still do it, but it used to be that you could only play Salmon Run at specific times. You and... could always play it... Like, I think you could always play it with friends, friends. or locally. Or I think you might... What was that, be... Daniel? I, yeah, yeah, as you were saying, I think we can only play it with friends, but um, if you wanted to do it online, there was specific time slots that you'd have mm-hmm. to be there for basically you're 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 clocking in for your shift essentially (laughs) one of the things that drove me crazy and i don't know if it was intentional or something that nintendo changed at like zero hour but at e3 uh i had a vip meeting with nintendo where they showed me splatoon 2 and i got to talk to hisashi nogami about the game and they told me very specifically and they wouldn't tell me what I was going to see beforehand, but they said, bring a few people with you, which is very rare for Nintendo. It's usually just you, but they were like, bring three people with you. And so I was like, okay. And this is back during the Nintendo life days. So I brought my whole team with me and they sat us down and they let us play salmon run. But the version of salmon run we played, let us choose our weapons. Like we were able to select what we had. Not in the final game. Which is one of the most annoying things about playing Salmon Run, <laughs> because I would get stuck with a weapon that I was just not good with, and that drove me insane. You could you could let people choose their weapons, which I think would make Salmon Run a lot more fun. Uh, I think every mode should be available any time of day, and I think that you should be able to group up with your friends without leveling all the way up to ten and then getting to a B minus just to open League mode where everyone's going to be better than me. <laughs> but there should just I mean. I would like Splatoon to be a bit more casual in that regard. I would really like to be able to just set up a party with you guys and then go play on the same team. The other thing is you can join friends in Splatoon 2 now, but there's no guarantee you'll play with each other. Like, you might be paired off against each other. Yeah, that's my biggest frustration, especially with Turf War. Like, if you want to guarantee that you're playing with your friends, you got to play a ranked mode in League. Uh, Yep. And like you said... For a lot of us that aren't like expert Splatoon players, that's gonna be a bad time. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I've I've been working so 
Uh, well, one thing I will say that I'm glad they got right. Uh, it was apparently confirmed that now you can use uh, Switch Online Save Data Cloud. Because right now I'm starting from rank amateur with Splatoon 2 because I've changed my Switch twice since it came out. And so on my OLED, I don't have a save. And so I've just been working from zero to get all my stuff back. Um, and that is a pain. <laughs> but wow. apparently they've at I'm least trying. addressed that. Apparently Nintendo is no longer as afraid of cheating. Um, but nice. I would... Yeah, it is nice to know that when they invariably launch another Switch, I won't have to start over again. Um, but that wasn't the only game that got a release date. We also got uh, news about Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I was not prepared for this. I was not prepared for Nintendo to move it up. I'm so excited by this. Uh, Daniel, I know you have to be pretty over the moon about this. Yeah, this is crazy. Like... Splatoon, I mean Splatoon, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was announced like early January of 2017 and then it released, and they projected a release in December and a lot of people were like, that's not going to, they're going to delay that, that's way too soon and they met the date and now uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is, annou is announced early 2022, they projected for September and it moves up <laughs> in release yeah. date, like Monolith Soft is just built different when it comes to this because they were like probably working on Breath of the Wild 2 in the, in the meantime as well. And just they're just pumping these things out but man it's so cool to see that sort of thing happen just the just this year is insane just the schedule of, of what they're releasing games and what times is just kind of unpredictable at this point but i'm super happy that this is coming out sooner and, and now i see so many people just getting excited they're like oh i gotta play Xenoblade chronicles one and two or, or one or the other before the game comes out and it's just fun to to see all the the hype for this game come out and it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for for once I'm really happy about the fact that uh I already played these. Like I I played Xenoblade Chronicles 2 quite some time ago. In fact, I'm actually thinking of going back through it just to give myself a refresher, but I'm I'm really happy that that game I've already put in my put behind me and finished because I want to play this day one. I wasn't even interested in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because I didn't really love one. Um but I had been brought on by IGN to do their guide for it. So I was like, oh, sure, I'll play through this game, make some money. And I ended up loving that game. I adore it completely. And it is, it, it's one of the best RPGs I've played in a really long time. Um, so I'm, I'm truly excited to see what they do with 3 because I'm, I'm not a fan of 1. I never finished it the battle system just never worked for me but at this point i'm tempted to go back and try that again as my kind of getting back into the universe because from what i understand from people that are in the know the trailer kind of has elements from one and two as though the universe from those collide or combine somehow and i'm mm -hmm. i'm not exactly sure how that all works but i i don't want to miss out on references to the original while playing three I know I'll get all the two references. I just really don't want to miss out anything from uh, one. Brandon, what about you? Have you are you a Xenoblade guy? Have you played? I I really enjoyed Xenoblade Two, specifically its story. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't really the biggest fan of the gameplay. Um, I didn't find the like attack chains and all that stuff to be very personally engaging. And I know it is for other people. I don't think it's inherently bad. Just maybe not for me. I do find that I actually enjoy Xenoblade 1's combat more. 
Really? Although I didn't finish that game. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, at this point, I'll probably go back and play Xenoblade 1 because I really loved the second game's story, and I hear that the first game's story is really good. Um, and Xenoblade mm. 3 looks pretty cool <laughs> just yeah, it does. as a casual fan. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm super opposite with that. Like, Xenoblade Chronicles 1's battle, like, I know it's a, it's a bit simpler, but I prefer 2's. Once you learn how everything works, and it does take a while, it takes a while to, to figure out how all that mechanic works and, and it fits together in the grand scheme of things. But once you know, it's it's pretty uh, satisfying in, in, as a whole. And the combat for Torna was also a lot better, in my opinion. Like, it was a bit more streamlined. It wasn't as complicated. It kind of kept things more simple. I hope we see more of that in the combat for, for 3, which I think we might. We're seeing combinations of both battle systems in 3 as far as we'll be seeing so far. And, like, dang, seven seven party members. Like, we've seen why there's so many party members because of the whole fusion thing for that they showed in, in the trailer. But um, Oh, I've, I've already been avoiding trailers for this game. <laughs> like, I... I am oh, I'm gotcha. fully enthralled in the hype cycle for this game. I just can't uh I, I don't want to spoil anything. I already saw one of the enemies that looked like an Ava and I was like, that's enough. I've seen everything I need to see. Just take my money. <laughs> I saw the collector's edition too, which looked really cool. Um I might pick that up because yeah. for some reason I bought the collector's edition to two. <laughs> I, I don't know why I bought it because at the time I was not a Xenoblade fan, but I pre ordered it. And it showed up at my house. I was like, oh, I've already beat this game. I guess I'm going to put this on my shelf of one Xenoblade thing. But, <laughs> uh, I also have I, X somewhere. I think it's interesting to note, too, and I think someone mentioned that Jeff Grubb mentioned this on Twitter, but the release dates for Xenoblade and Splatoon 3 were flipped. Yeah, I... I wonder about that. I wonder if Nintendo consciously made that decision because it feels like a weird one to make unless Splatoon needed more time. Um, I That's the only thing right now that makes sense to me because Xenoblade 3 coming out way earlier than we expected in September originally uh, told me that this game's been done for a while and they've just been sitting on it. That uh, is the Nintendo way. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So this is like their, their safety drop in case something goes wrong. Yeah, I feel like... I wonder... It tells me, though, this is what I find interesting. It tells me that Nintendo has to have something huge lined up for the holidays. Mm -hmm. Because if you're willing to shift a game like Xenoblade, which, I mean, was in 2017 their anchor game for the end of the year, you have to have a lot of confidence in whatever's coming in the back part of the year. And we know it's not Zelda now. Right. So I wonder what it is right. that Nintendo is going to... It has to be Pokemon, right? Like it, it's like the one major thing we can think of right now is just Pokemon. Unless they're going to announce something at E3 and then that's going to be the holiday like banger. Who knows? And we sure, certainly shouldn't announce like the power of a mainline brand new Pokemon region uh, or generation um, at the end of this year. But I, I'm kind of with you. It does feel weird that there's seemingly nothing else yet. But yeah. you know, we haven't hit that June period yet where we usually find out about this stuff. Right, yeah, and that's even a question mark. There's no E3, and I, right. I, as much as I respect what Jeff Keighley's doing with uh, Summer Game Fest, I don't see Nintendo doing, like, a Summer Game Fest Direct, you know? So is it going to be Nintendo just says, screw it, it's June, we do this every year anyway? <laughs> um, 
or do we get some or do we forego the traditional e3 quote-unquote direct in favor of something later on down the line closer to the holidays i hope not because i i like the hype season for games i like hearing about halfway through the year what we're going to be getting into the following year into the early Mm -hmm. part of the following year um but yeah i think i think uh, a pokemon game could carry the holiday for nintendo easily easily um i'll just be curious to see if that's all they go with or if because normally nintendo likes to put out something that caters to to uh you know their their more casual fan base and their more hardcore fan base they try to cover both of those bases every year I see our chat mentioning uh, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope, but that doesn't read as a holiday title to me. Same. It doesn't have that kind of energy, which is not a shot at the game, of course. Uh, It's going to be great, just like the first one. Right. Um, But it's worth noting the first game went on sale like for 20 bucks, like six months after it came out, which is not a usual move for a Mario game. Um, I don't think that that it has anything uh super mario odyssey 2 top dog mentions in the chat there's no i i honestly don't think that's happening anytime soon which is sad makes me incredibly sad um i mean it could happen i'd be surprised if it did but i'm not gonna bank on that for this year yeah honestly i almost feel like if we were to get i i feel like nintendo could do what they did with mario party and just release dlc for super mario odyssey somewhere down the road like hey we're in a lull and we needed to make some cash real quick so here is dlc for this super popular game that we ignored i mean because we originally saw isle delfino in the original map for odyssey uh there were also there also were in the data for that game unreleased costumes there was a link costume in the data for super mario odyssey that we never got um so I, I suspect that at some point, and I, I don't know what happened, but I think that Nintendo had plans for Odyssey DLC and that they either did what they did with Galaxy and scrapped it in favor of a sequel mm-hmm. or or entirely possibly they did have that plan and then 2020 happened and then they had to backtrack, you know, because it was pretty obvious during 2020 that Nintendo was not prepared for people to work from home. They had a lot of production issues, and I think we're still seeing them clean those up in the background here. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if they had to either shelve or massively internally delay projects to to shift people around to get stuff done, Uh, which is why I think we also didn't see uh, Animal Crossing DLC for as long as we did. I think Nintendo was just caught off guard, like, holy hell, we released this game, and it's the most popular thing in the world. I, I think a Nintendo that was operating at full steam would have had dlc out the door within six months they would have Mm -hmm. and i think that they completely fumbled it because they just weren't up and running at full efficiency um but yeah the holiday is going to be very interesting for nintendo this year i think that uh you know we'll see more but it's been a quiet year so far like there's not a lot coming out and they're just starting to ramp up like where we're seeing release after release after release i will say that a lot of the releases this year uh cater to me a lot they're a lot more casual experiences which is something i've been missing from the wii era and a lot of children from that era are growing up now uh so you know it's high time to kind of cash in on that (laughs) one week one week and we get switch sports 
and I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm I'm ridiculously Almost. excited for that. Like when I found out you could use the leg strap for soccer, I was unreasonably excited about that. I was like, yes, I want to do stupid motion things with with uh, Switch <laughs> Sports. So I'll be checking that out like the minute it comes out. I'm really honestly, I don't mind the uh, the new look for the. I don't want to call them me's because they're not me's. But the new look for the mates. is that what they're called? They're That's terrible. Called that makes me sports think they mates. deliver food. But <laughs> <laughs> just a really buff Postmates driver. But um, yeah, I the sport mates are fine. Like I don't I don't find them as offensive as other people do. I I just I don't think they're bad. Yeah, I- I don't find them offensive. I was just worried we weren't going to get Mies, and then they showed us Mies, and I was like, okay. I, I I am personally <laughs> upset that we didn't get Matt back. Like, if we get boxing at some point, we need to have Matt. They showed Matt. They showed Matt in, Did they? in promotional screenshots. Yeah, they had Man, a, where have had... I been? <laughs> There's a Twitter account dedicated to Mies that dissected the me and pointed out that it was put together wrong. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's like was a... funny. There's there's a Twitter account out there that looks at every rendition of Mario for pixel accuracy. Like when I've when Mario that. is ported to other other things like Wii U Virtual Console and they're like, "Oh, this one's 98% to the NES it's original." Like two pixels off. Yeah, I was like, "Why? <laughs> Why?" <laughs> like, <laughs> there's someone who cares very deeply about that. I was like, "You should work at a Nintendo." Uh anyway, before we ramble on further, we do have a few more super chats that I'm going to read off. Um First off, Skull Kid Tiger with $5 says, Steve, I saw Sonic. You know what this is for. Oh, I do. I do. Um, I actually have a discussion that I've edited that will go up this weekend with uh, some of the guys talking about their thoughts on Sonic. And I will have a Patreon exclusive uh, with my own take on the movie now that I've seen it because I had not seen it at the time that that discussion was recorded. Um, But I will say this. I think I called like 70% of the plot on GVG cast before the movie came out. Um, it is, it is from a writing perspective, a solid six out of 10 movie, but it's like an 11 out of 10 video game movie. Um, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Screamo shaman with $4 and 23 cents. Thank you so much. By the way, says my birthday is tomorrow. I'm here to vibe. Well, happy birthday. I hope you have a great birthday tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, birthday. Yeah. Enjoy it. Have, have a lot of fun with that because, uh, birthdays only, I, your your birthday's on a Saturday, which is great. Like I always try to take the day off work, but uh, yeah, have fun. Uh, Rec BCQ with another two dollars super chat. Thank you again, by the way. Uh, says Xenoblade Two is a fave, and I'm starting one now. I feel the exact same oh, way. Nice. I, I need to sit down with one because um, I'm really really excited for that. Yeah, enjoy uh, that. I, I I still just need to play Future Connected as far same, as same same. Okay, I'm on. glad I'm not the only one that didn't play that. <laughs> <laughs> I need to um, just, just jump on that by itself because I've already played the first one, but I don't know if I can play the entire game again just to do Future Connected in, in sequential order. Fair. Yeah. Fair. All right. Finally, uh, Aramis Baramus with an astounding $50 super chat. Thank you oh so God. much for your generosity. You. Uh, says, happy GVG cast day. Just showing support. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate all the support, Aramis. Uh, you are the best, as Vegeta would say to Goku in the Boo arc specifically the one and only time <laughs> yeah the one and only time i love that by the way vegeta's like you're the best and then in super he's like you're a bitch kakarot i'm like <laughs> what happened so <laughs> hard oh my God. That's, that's my best vegeta by the way that's it kakarot 
You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Kakarot. All right. Um, let's see. Is way better than Torna's hard cap. <laughs> All right. So uh, where were we? I've, I'm lost here. It's Friday. I'm tired. Um, oh, you know. Oh, wow. Klaxoned. Thank you. With a $49.99 oh, wow. super chat. Just says, just dropping so, this before I go visit a friend tonight. I've been busy with my advanced game programming class, so I haven't gotten to watch live in a while. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank so you. much. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, that's really cool. Like, I wish I could do game programming, but it's it's beyond me. I've tried. I wrote an iPhone game a long time ago, and it was awful. Uh, it was called Drug Runner, and it was an endless runner where your power-ups, you guessed it, were drugs. Anyway, wow. I would have made millions work? of pennies. Um, the next Flappy Bird right there. Exactly. Exactly. It's got everything you need. A boring premise, no actual gameplay, and drugs. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of these days, I would like to make a game. I, I hope to expand my skill set there someday, but... Yeah, that's about it for news. Uh, we didn't have a lot. I just wanted to talk. I wanted to have a more conversational, chill kind of vibe to the episode today. The mods are asleep. Let's talk about Elden Ring, that kind of thing. Uh, but we do have patron topics. Uh, if you don't know, you, our executive producers and above can uh, submit topics for us to talk about here, right here on GVGCast over at patreon.com slash GVGaming. You can find out more. Uh, but for now, I'm going to start with you, Brandon, because I... I, in all honesty, have not selected one yet. What is your patron topic for this week? So mine is from Alpha Lion. It says, I just saw the Geek Critiques YouTube video on old school replayability and how it's becoming a lost art in the modern gaming scene. This got me thinking, what childhood games do you still keep replaying over and over and why? And nowadays, how often do you tend to jump into a second playthrough? Uh, the, the childhood game that I constantly replay is Super Mario World. Uh, Super Mario World is the second game I've ever played in my life, right so after old. Super Mario Kart. Uh, I was like three years old, by the way. I'm, I'm feeling my mortality when I hear you talk. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, I play Super Mario World, I think, a couple times a year. That's a game I could sit down, knock out in an afternoon. Uh, but most of my childhood is like tied to that game. My love of Mario comes from that game. Uh, it's also why I love Yoshi so much. Um, just a lot of great memories with that. Uh, as for nowadays, I don't really do second playthroughs, and I don't think it's because replayability is a lost art so much. Uh, I think replayability back then was mostly due to game companies wanting to get those rental fees <laughs> from the game stores. Uh, but... You know, I would replay games in my teens. Like, I played Twilight Princess, like, four times, even though that's not my favorite Zelda game by a long shot. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing for me today is that I just don't have the time. I'm more excited about having new experiences than revisiting old ones. Uh, I've played more games in my adulthood from a broad perspective than I did growing up, where I was mainly a Nintendo guy, just playing Nintendo games because that's all I could afford. Uh, but now I just kind of try and dip my toes in everything to see what the gaming space has to offer. Uh, nice. but that's my main reason for not replaying games as much. How about you, Daniel? Yeah, I think I'm pretty much at the same when it comes to replayability. Like, I don't really have time to, to go back and replay games as, as much as I, I used to, even if they have, like, a separate, like, story itself. Um, 
you know, I was just talking about Scarlet Nexus. That has two different storylines, and I've only done one, and I don't feel like I need to do the other one as as much as as at least not right away. And with games like even Tales games, Tales of Arise, uh, Tales games are always very heavily. They they really want you to do a new game plus because you can use points you've earned, grade, uh, to carry over certain aspects and certain traits from your previous playthrough to another one, and uh, the, things like that. I've always just kind of um, really appreciated when they kind of inspire and project you to do another playthrough. I keep freezing. I, I just keep freezing. <laughs> but um, as far as actual games that I've played since childhood, um, there, a lot of them were N64 games. Um, I think the biggest one for me was probably Paper Mario. <laughs> I I just, I really just attached myself to that. I guess that was technically the first RPG, if you want to call it that. It's a very light RPG, essentially, uh, experience from, from way back then that got me into that genre and i played it so many times um i haven't played it in recent days I, i'm looking forward to doing that again on uh nso but yeah that think games like that majora's mask is another one that i played uh, many times before um just just good feelings i had from back then as, as childhood memories playing those and some mario always just gives me that warm feeling especially when in in, in paper form <laughs> but um but yeah that's pretty much what i've experience for as far as like personal replayability and and, in games from way back then nice uh for me and and somehow brandon brandon's topic served as as the perfect segue for me to put this up on screen i'm just gonna give you guys something for free oh god this is what steve bowling looked like around this time in my life oh yeah look at that haircut (laughs) anyway i'm gonna leave that on screen (laughs) while i give this response uh (laughs) It's amazing. I'm such a dapper lad. Anyway, uh, my game that I go back to, I can't look at myself without laughing. Uh, that's not even the 80s. That's the 90s. I was just behind the times. But um, I, I used to play Fantasy Star for the Sega Master System. And the reason why I played it was because it was, even even as like a five or six-year-old kid, I realized that this was just a wild technical achievement. I remember playing the dungeons in Fantasy Star on the Master System and being like, what the hell? Like, how is this happening? Like, how are there 3D dungeons in this game? Like, it was miles ahead of anything I'd seen ever at that point in my life. And and the only thing that I can equate it to is uh, the first time I saw Mario 64 running. Like, those are the two games that when I played them for the first time, I was just completely mind blown by what was happening in front of me like i you know sonic adventure running away from the orca was cool uh ocarina of time traveling between time was really cool but seeing uh mario in 3d for the first time took my breath away and i still play that game like i've replayed it probably 17 18 times as a teenager um but fantasy star i've probably played 10 or so times but it's also a full-fledged rpg and I could not believe that it had like multiple planets that you could travel to and from, that you could have four or five party members, that they used huge sprites on screen for the enemies. Like that game, if you go back and you remember that that game came out in the 80s, you will be blown away. Like it will shatter your idea of what 8-bit games can be. 
Uh, so that that was it for me. I definitely I'm I'm hiding this now. I've seen enough of myself. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was an incredible achievement for its time. But like Brandon said, I don't really go back now. It's really hard. Uh, one in the reality of this business, you you often get handed a game. And that becomes the game you're playing. Like right now, I'm playing two games that I can't talk to you about. Um, you know, as well as a few, I've got a few other things going on. But so when I sit down and I play a game, it has to be extraordinary for me to play through it once without covering it. Like Elden Ring, I'm playing through and I initially had no plans to talk about it. And that should tell you that it's a pretty amazing game because I'm not making content around it. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's like every time that I finish something, there's something new around the corner that I have to play. So I just don't get the opportunity as that I would like to to, to cover them. Anyway, that's it for me. Uh, so, Daniel, what is your uh, topic for, for this week? Let's see. So my topic comes from, um, where'd it go? Chloe Skyler. It says, if you could pick any handheld game series to get the same level of love and care that Sonic Origins is giving to the classic Sonic games, what would that game series be? Now, there's not a lot of handheld gaming discussion going on anymore, and I want to provide an opportunity to talk about them, uh, more about them. Um, so the one I thought, uh, and especially, we didn't even discuss Sonic Origins, which is an, a, looking fantastic, by the way, and so it did get me thinking about what other kind of handheld games we could have in this kind of uh, style and attention made, made to. Um, as far as handheld games... I was thinking, um, the first one I was thinking of actually was Golden Sun. Uh, those two games for the Game Boy Advance, they were supposed to originally be like one whole journey, one whole story. And um, I, I loved the first one. And then when I played the second one, I was blown away by how much bigger and how much they packed into one little Game Boy Advance cartridge compared to the first one. And I'm just thinking like if they had like animated scenes for this game, uh, in, in in certain portions, like you can still keep like mostly a kind of pixelated art style because that kind of it, it's that's kind of its identity, especially when you're in battle. The way it's so dynamic, that's why having that pixelated style. Um, but yeah, update that a bit and add different kinds of um, um, animations to it for transitions of important story scenes. Uh, you could probably update the music a little bit. It's still probably one of Motoi Sakuraba's best soundtracks. Honestly, is his work in Golden Sun. Uh, but yeah, that's that's something that I really wish I could see happen because the, the poor series, <laughs> the first game and the Lost Age, those two games, I think they deserve more love and attention. That's a good question. I'm going to take a cop out on this one. And I'm going to say the games that I would love to see get the Sonic Origins treatment from handheld are the Sonic Advance games. Like, I don't even mean like the Sonic Origins treatment. I mean put them in Sonic Origins. Please. <laughs> like just throw them in there. I've I've barely gotten to play these. Also put the Neo Geo Pocket Sonic game in there. Was wasn't there a NGPC game for Sonic? I I believe there was. I don't remember what it was called, but I'm pretty sure you're right. Let's see. I'm Googling Sonic the Hedgehog Pocket Adventure. Just give me all of those, really. I I remember thinking the GBA games were really solid. I would love to actually play through them. I didn't own them on GBA. I don't think I have them on Virtual Console either, if they even came out there. But I've heard they're fantastic, and it's a piece of Sonic history that I'm missing. So I would absolutely love to play them. Uh, that's my easy answer. What about you, Brandon? 
so this answer is also kind of cheating for me. I've only played two of the games in this series, but uh, one of them is very near and dear to me. Uh, the Wario Land games. I uh, love Wario Land 3. Um, it's just got this really interesting level design where there's four hidden treasures in every level. Uh, and you find those treasures and they unlock things in other stages. So you're repeatedly Ooh. going back to levels you've been in before. And I thought that was just really, really cool for a Game Boy Color game. Uh, just kind of ahead of its time. And I'd like to see it get the Wario Land Shake It treatment with the anime-style hand-drawn visuals. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I love how that game looks. Um, and applying that to all four uh, the Game Boy Wario Land games, I think would be awesome. That would Wario be needs more love. <laughs> He's got good games. I do. I do want to say I would love if more companies took the Wario Land approach to some of their games. Um, you know, like one of the things that I always think about when I talk about Sonic is that unofficial Sonic Two HD project that Sega killed. And they uh, were they were making yeah. like they were just taking the same game and and using creating HD assets for it that looked exactly like the art. And I've always wanted that to be finished and it never will be because in one of the few things that Sega killed, that was a Sonic fan project was Sonic two HD and we never got anything like it. So I'm, I'm so broken up about that, but I would absolutely love to see it. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe someday it'll happen, but, uh, I doubt it. I really, really doubt it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, like you look at Mario, you look at Sonic, you look at uh, various old school 2D uh, platformers, and they all had this amazing art that obviously the consoles of the time couldn't render. And it would be so cool to see games like modern 2D games that looked like that. But I don't know. I, I think the fan community is going to be our answer there. I recently ran across, and I don't know if you guys have seen this before, but an NES emulator that had the ability to swap out uh, all the sprites with whatever you want. And so folks have made like HD versions of the original Legend of Zelda and stuff like that with completely original art. It looks incredible. Don't, I've, don't I've played the original Nintendo. Legend of Zelda uh, in VR in 3D before. And let me tell you, that's an experience. <laughs> wow. Nice. I, I would I would think that would be really cool. I, I remember uh, I own like a weird emulator app on Steam for VR headsets. And it's like the dumbest thing, but it's kind of neat. Like you wear your headset and it puts you into a bedroom with a TV and consoles all over the floor. And you, if you load ROMs into it, it makes cartridges in the room that you can pick up and insert into the console and turn it on. And then you sit on the ground of this fake room wearing a VR headset and you look at a fake CRT and you play the game with like scan lines and everything. It was that's honestly awesome. kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's that. So uh, did we cover everyone for that topic? I'm way out of it. Um, wait, what was our topic? <laughs> I think we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we did. We did. Okay. Okay. It's my turn. It's my turn. I'm going to go with the easy one. This is from Alexander Mitchell. Uh, Alexander writes, your personal choice for Square Enix's biggest success and biggest failure within the last decade. And my... I think their biggest failure and their biggest success are the same game. 
Oh, okay. I wonder if it's the same collection. <laughs> I'm talking about Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. I'm being facetious. Final Fantasy VII, if you remember, the remake is the greatest success, in my opinion. I think they took something that was incredibly primitive comparatively and transformed it in a way that made it deep and interesting and in- engaging, despite everybody thinking they knew exactly what we were going to get. But I also have to call Square Enix to task. I'm using my daughter's cat pencil for this. Uh, on Final Fantasy VII on PS4. Final Fantasy VII on PS4 was the biggest gut punch I think a collective fan base has ever felt from from the company that they support. And I'm talking specifically about at the PlayStation Experience uh, where one of Square's executives came on stage didn't say anything and then let the final fantasy seven logo flash up on like the jumbotron behind him and everyone gets out of their seats and starts cheering they're like yeah and then he's like oh no no it's just a straight port of the pc version they show all the low poly graphics and everyone like you could hear the air get sucked out of the room you could feel everyone turn on this man like they were about to attack him for the way in which he came out on stage which i'm sure wasn't his fault but just that was not an announcement that you make on a stage after teasing a remake of seven, like 14 times in the past. I, I just, mm-mm, mm-mm. I, I, I'm surprised that man survived, but that was, that was like a, I, I remember I wasn't there. I was watching it live and I felt like the same emotions. And I was like, I just want to drive down to squares headquarters and just slap someone like the, I want to Will Smith, whoever made this decision. <laughs> like, Slap heard around the world. Keep my game's name. Oh, too much. <laughs> but Will Smith should get therapy. But that's uh that's all I gotta say about that. So Brandon, what are your uh what are your picks for Square Enix's biggest success and biggest failure? I thought this was gonna be a tough thing for me to figure out, but as you were talking it hit me pretty easily. Uh I think their biggest failure is not bringing Dragon Quest ten online to the US. Yes. As someone who has just started playing that game, it is a magical experience. I want desperately want someone to play with. Um, but uh, yeah, I they've talked about bringing it to the West before. It's about to have its ten year anniversary, and it's still not here. So, you know, they announced the uh, the offline version, and it's not coming either. Uh, nice cat paw racer <laughs> top. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I play it um, serious here. Yeah, so I'm pretty disappointed in that. Um, but I'll I'll end on a high note saying that Dragon Quest XI-S might be their biggest success, especially for me, because it uh, made me a Dragon Quest fan. That game's amazing. <laughs> I need to play that. I, I own it. I own both Eleven and XI-S, and I've played a cumulative 18 minutes of it. Uh, I really want to play it, but... It has that, you know, we talked a lot about having time to play games. And Dragon Quest Eleven is absolutely one of those where I'm like, 100 hours? That's like four actual days. <laughs> I was like, it's I... A, it's a little closer to 60, but that's still a lot of time. It makes me want to lay down just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel, how about you? What are, what are your uh, biggest uh, Square Enix moments of the last 10 years? I wanted to talk about like yeah the one the first things I think about is remake Final Fantasy VII remake and Dragon Quest Eleven which are fantastic games um, so I don't know what else to say <laughs> Final Fantasy fourteen um, um 
I haven't played Final Fantasy fourteen, so I don't know what in the world I could say about that, unfortunately. Um, gosh, I think getting introduced to certain series, um, like, what could I even discuss? Like, Nier Autonoma is also one that I got into this year, or not this year, this this decade, rather. Um, I had no idea what the, uh, the, the Nier series was about beforehand, like, how much how deep it goes into the lore and when you get into the, the minutiae of all that. But Mir uh, Tanama really is like one of Yoko Taro's like just accomplishments in, in, in games just as, by a narrative standpoint. Visually, the, the music by Keiichi Okabe is incredible. Uh, it all just kind of comes together and makes a really memorable experience for me. And then just how just getting more people into the series like with uh, Nier Replicant as well. Like I hope the series continues to, to flourish because there's something really really crazy and interesting about the way that Yoko Taro thinks and, and it's really just fun to see what that man thinks of next. Um, as far as failures, I, I, I think it has been about 10 years since the uh, PS3 tech demo for Final Fantasy 7, which was just another mark in the disappointments that people had <laughs> where, where we see what could be, but we were denied it yet again. And that was one of the first ones that I remember seeing like real blow to the the community when we saw that and that, that's just coupled with the whole ps1 port um as well so that that series has had quite quite the history of of successes and failures just a, just a roller coaster for everyone on board <laughs> true uh sh- shout out by the way to avengers which some folks are mentioning in our youtube chat yeah that game was that's terrible <laughs> uh i want you to know that i bought that game at launch and i've still never put it in my console good for you good for you it's gonna stay that way <laughs> i i got a review copy for it i remember so i'll i'll tell you i'll give you guys a little story about avengers so i was super excited to see avengers for the first time uh and square enix that year was the year that they had final fantasy 7 remake available to play and they had avengers like an eyes on presentation for media and so they ushered me into like a little theater that they had erected at E3 and they're like, Hey, here's your like shield dossier. And I remember when they gave me all this cool stuff to like go in, I was like, this game is not going to be good. And like, I was like, they're handing me all this cool stuff to distract me from the game. Uh, Cause they gave me like, and it was cool stuff. They gave me like a shield dossier with like information on all the heroes in it and like a, a shield lanyard and a bunch of other stuff, like nothing crazy valuable. They weren't bribing me, but they were trying to distract me. And I go in and I sit down and I watch uh, what eventually they would release as like the first trailer for the game, but like a few weeks before they brought it out. And I just looked at Ash who was there with me. And I was like, that was fucking terrible. <laughs> I was like, there's nothing good about this game. I was like, this game is going to be awful. It looks like a PS3 era, like action game. And, uh, we ended up, uh, you know, obviously history proved me correct on that one, but I, I remember playing it when I got my review copy and I was just like, I have to actually beat this. Like I have to <laughs> actually finish this. And I will say that uh, the segments where you play as Miss Marvel were really cool. But once like you beat the story mode and then they're like, ta-da, there's a whole online mode you can play. And I, re- I remember the moment that broke me was when I was playing as the Hulk and I picked up a loot drop and it was a rib cage, a rib cage for the Hulk to equip as a defensive item. He equips his own skeleton. It's a little weird. Uh, I was like, 
You guys wanted this to be Destiny so bad you forgot that the Hulk can't rip out and replace his own bones? Also, why are there Hulk bones laying around? Why are enemies carrying the Hulk's bones? I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, there were so uh, many things just fundamental. Like, someone designed this and, like, multiple people looked at it, including people at Marvel. And they were like, yep, that is the thing. We have, you've made the right choice. The Hulk equips bones and everyone in the world has random pieces of Iron Man's armor that he can find. Like, no. None of it made sense. Or or you could get new hammers for Thor. You know, the iconic weapon, the only one that he has. You could just find new ones. They're like, oh, new hammer for Thor. This one's like a better hammer that a random guy had. Like you beat up a thug in New York and he's like, here, Thor, have a new hammer. It's better than your legendary one that was made by your dad who is actually a god. I just have a better hammer. I picked it up at Ace fucking Hardware. <laughs> Seems like a thing Thor would do in hindsight. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> MCU beer-chugging Thor would definitely do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Another. it is. The online is amazing. It, it's, like, amazingly bad. Also, flying is, like, really sluggish. I never thought that superheroes flew at, like, 18 miles per hour. I didn't know that, like, Usain Bolt could run faster than Iron Man can fly. But that's definitely a thing. Like, you fly and you see cars go, like, like past you. I'm like... Come on, Iron Man, That's kick annoying. it up like a notch. Are you running out of whatever it is that powers your boots? Like heart juice? I don't know, but uh, yeah, Avengers was really bad, historically bad. I, I actually want to go back and try Spider-Man in that game because I heard he's bad. <laughs> I've looked at footage of it, and oh. Spider-Man plays better in Fortnite than he does in Avengers. <laughs> that tracks, that tracks. Not a diss on Fortnite. Let me clarify. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that's that's uh, not not uh, dunking on Fortnite. I've seen Spider-Man in Fortnite. It actually doesn't look bad, but I'll stick to playing Spider-Man on PS5. That's that's where he belongs. All right, folks. Well, we have reached the end of our show, and I don't know how the show ends, so we're just gonna keep going forever. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we, I didn't Aww. throw our promoter pet up at all during the show. I'm so sorry, folks. Let's let's take a minute to ignore oh, no. Brandon. He doesn't exist anymore. And we'll just enjoy some pets. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't do that to Brandon. I wasn't prepared for that. I'm sorry. All right. Um, before... I could go grab a guinea pig real quick. Ooh, ooh. Do you have a guinea pig? You want a live I have, pet? I have two. Go I don't want to a... bother them. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> One of these uh, days I'll bring a guinea pig. I'm, I'm broken hearted now. I was, I was excited. I was excited for a guinea pig. I did. I thought you were a rabbit guy, Brandon. Explain this to me. How can you be a rabbit I have and a guinea? Too. I have I've three seen, rabbits. Do they, do they fight? They don't cohabitate. They're isolated <laughs> from another. You have to keep them separated, you might say. <laughs> guinea pigs aren't free roaming. Rabbits, however, are. All right. Well, that conversation, that little segue was enough to buy me time to start our credits. So at the end of the show, we like to give a thank you to all of our patrons, big and small, for helping make this show happen. We literally could not do it without you. Thank you to all of our generous super chatters for helping to keep the show running. We appreciate everyone who shows us love, whether you just watch, like, and subscribe here on YouTube, whether you're a patron, whether you're in our Discord hanging out, telling us what we're doing wrong in the improvements channel, wherever you are, we appreciate you so, so much. Thank you for hanging out with us on this Friday, the 22nd of April for episode 10 of the gvg cast but before we go and thanks again to the game orb for sponsoring you're awesome but before we go we do have to give a special thank you to our patrons 
at the producer tier and above. Y'all help make this show happen. You keep the lights on for us. You've been supporting us for almost two years here. That's really impressive. I'm I'm so happy that this did not blow up in our faces and turn into wreckage. I appreciate you for that. Uh, but I have to give an extra special thank you to our patrons at the executive producer tier and above. You beautiful people are Brandon Bovia. Thank you for Dragon Ball Super this week, Brandon. Cutie Caitlin. Thanks. Dan and Twistle. Z Patty. Hyrule Hermit. Sky Blue Flames. Eastman 23. Adam O'Sullivan. Richard Herrera, Logan Daniel, Christopher Bakke, The D-Pad, Vesmio, Waffle King, Beert J373, Critter XD, Kitty Kongfax, Angel Martinez, Joshua Hunter, Benny Yao, Azran127, Black King, Pagrema, Geller, Joseph Rutkin, Titus Malvolio, Geeky Griffin, Lucky Wonderfish, Kyle, Top Dog 23100, Young Ben Kenobi, Kenumbi, Doug Shomix, Andrew Medeiros, Orum, Becca, Rocks the Cat, Killamox, Eddie B, Kai Ed, Kit Fisto, Kenneth Lee Stingle, Jessica Toad, Deaneth, Sci-Fi Lullabies, Michael McCaw, Matthew Wong, Goron Amber, Straight Lace, Justin Matthews, Hooby, Too Much Spaghetti, Mega Conrad, Askeron 809, Rioner, Captain Finlandia, Nathan Steele, Spicy Pandotter, The Game Orb, Dano the Artist, Super Gamer Dude 101, Grantles, Ravelox, Synchro Lord, My Mom, Hi Mom, Kane Woolly, Skull Kid Tiger, Dark Steel 01, Jason Uloa, Jaden Buck, Phantom Project, Cystic Warrior 29, DJ Jersick, Super Dank Awesome Unicorn Guy, Dinner Sonic, Darik, Jeff Ed, Nova the Artist, Stag Nasty, Mumbling Yeti, Cameron Sharp, Screamo Shaman, Mason Riley, Keel, Willow Pingree, Santi the Person, Brendan Hesse, Hustlebun, Noah Fitterer, Calvin Atkinson, Ryan's Fault, Brainchild, Pat Pending, Jim Wakelin, Lauren Bond, Shridhar Ayala, Gavin Twaddle, Andy Mine P, Ad, Jughead 870, Alpha Lion, and finally, Lord Metarex. And I'm sorry that your name wasn't in the credits, Lord Metarex. I did not update them because I'm a terrible person. But we will we will get that updated for the next episode of GVG Cast. Thank you so much for watching, all of you. Remember that if you too would like to have your name read out at the end of each and every episode of the GVG Cast, as well as in the credits of all of our features, you can head over to patreon.com slash gvgaming where you can find out more and join the best damn Discord community anywhere on all of the internets. Uh we are headed over to our patron exclusive post show. Again, patreon.com slash gvgaming to find out more about how you can watch that and listen and see us react to really cringe internet videos <laughs> but uh that'll be it for us for tonight thank you guys so much for hanging out this week i hope you all have a great weekend and if you're not headed to the post show we will see you next friday april 29th where we will talk about how sweaty we got playing nintendo switch sports on the next episode number 11 of the gvg cast until next time everybody good night and good vibes have a good bye one. everyone Till we meet again